0: behind the scenes footage and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org/podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an s. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good
1: morning. This is the California Report. I'm Maddie Bolaños in San Francisco. Governor Gavin Newsom is scheduled to release his revised budget on Friday. He's warned about a major deficit, but that isn't stopping lawmakers from putting pressure on him to increase child care funding to the tune of a billion dollars. KQED's Daisy Wynn has more. Democrats in the legislature want to raise pay rates for subsidized child care providers by 25 percent. San Francisco Assemblymember Phil Ting chairs the budget committee. He says while that sounds like a lot, those providers haven't received a rate increase in seven years. This is not even a real raise. This is just keeping up with cost of living. And unfortunately, uh, all these providers have had to keep up with inflation. They've had to increase people's salaries. They've had their cost of goods, their cost of rent go up as well. He says the investment is necessary because the state economy depends on child care. For The California Report, I'm daisy Nguyen. After the COVID-19 public health emergency ends tomorrow, some people who were receiving medication through telehealth will need to visit a doctor in person. KPBS reporter Katie Heisen spoke with a doctor about what's at stake. Doctors can prescribe a 30-day supply of controlled substances to people who've only been seen through telehealth, but they will have to visit a provider in person within that month to continue receiving their medication. In-person visits are harder for those facing higher barriers to access, like lack of housing, transportation, or time. And for some, access is life or death. Dr. Christian Ramers of Family Health Centers, San Diego, says under the emergency order, telehealth greatly increased access to addiction treatment medications.
2: Buprenorphine used to be more narrowly restricted. Um, and this is probably the most valuable and important uh, weapon for us against the opioid and overdose crisis.
1: The Health Resources and Services Administration found that more than 11 million people live in an area of California with a shortage of primary care providers. For The California Report, I'm Katie Hyson. As we're now in the fourth year of the pandemic, there is a growing sense of optimism that the worst is likely behind us. Vaccines and boosters have helped reduce the number of hospitalizations and deaths from COVID-19. But for millions of Americans who are suffering from long COVID symptoms, there's no end in sight for their day-to-day struggles. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi takes us behind those struggles and what is and isn't being done to help.
2: Back in 2021, we brought you the story of Charlie McCone, a healthy Bay Area man in his 30s who contracted long COVID. Long COVID patients have suffered from a variety of health issues. Everything from brain fog and fatigue to long-term respiratory and heart problems. In some cases, they can come and go, but for others, like Charlie, they've lasted more than three years with no let up. I can shower myself and I can you know, do that stuff, but that's kind of about it. I can't stand up for longer than five minutes without all of my symptoms going haywire. McCone says he's fortunate for the support system that surrounded him during this ordeal, but frustration is setting in. My biggest frustration right now isn't in my symptoms, it's in the lack of action around doing things we know could help patients right now. That includes starting trials for possible treatments. But the National Institutes of Health is taking a more cautious approach. Congress awarded the agency more than a billion dollars two years ago to research the root cause of long COVID which could be a long process. Dr. Walter Koroshetz is heading up the NIH's Recover Long COVID initiative. We are being a little more deliberate, particularly to try and get something that's going to have a high effect size in in patients and, and really make a big difference. Dr. Koroshetz says he understands the frustration that long COVID patients have. Treatments that are geared at the symptom reduction, those things can happen pretty quickly. And we're hoping to get those off the ground. The first official clinical trial for Paxlovid as a possible treatment is underway at Stanford University. But it's not funded by the NIH, and results aren't expected until late this year. Stephen Deeks, a professor of medicine at UC San Francisco, has been working with long COVID patients and says the federal government is just not moving fast enough.
1: Based on the fact that there's any anecdotes of people getting better with antiviral therapy, yes, it's an absolute urgency right now to study in a controlled manner all of the antiviral therapies that we have available.
2: Deke says potential trials have moved slower than normal, in large part because pharmaceutical companies have yet to buy in, like they did with the COVID vaccines. Oakland resident Lisa McCorkle is a long COVID patient. She now heads the Patient-Led Research Collaborative, a group which advocates for patient-involved research on long COVID.
0: Having A lot of government leaders dismiss long COVID over the last couple years. It's really led to this lack of prioritization of long COVID research and specifically the clinical trials.
2: For Charlie McCone, he says the threat of long COVID is still out there. And with the federal public health emergency ending, it's unclear if anything is being done to help people suffering from this condition. This is the fastest growing health crisis in America which is resulting in the biggest mass-disabling event in history, which it sounds like hyperbole, but it is not. It's just what the reality is. McCone says he remains optimistic because it doesn't do any good to feel sorry for himself. But he says more people have to start demanding answers because if they do it now, it greatly reduces the chances someone they love will fall victim to this debilitating condition. For The California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi.
1: And that's the California Report for Wednesday, May 10th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. Paint Care now with more than 850 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health, on the web at 11thHourRacing.org.